think of yourself as a missionary? Trent Griffith says you should. You know, when you're involved as an everyday missionary, you never know when you're gonna get to be the planter and when you're gonna get to be the picker. Sometimes in a gospel conversation, all you're doing is planting a seed. And then every now and then, you get to harvest the seed that's been planted by somebody else. You get to be the picker. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. So what picture comes to your mind when I say the word missionary? Maybe you think of missionaries that you know or that your church supports. Or maybe you think of really holy people in not-so-stylish clothes chopping their way through the jungles to share Jesus with indigenous people. But do you ever picture yourself as a missionary? That's something that Trent Griffith is going to encourage us with today on Resonate. He's continuing in the series, Who Does Jesus Say I Am? Here's Pastor Trent. Well, let me invite you to open your Bible to Luke chapter 10. We're marching verse by verse through the gospel of Luke. We've made it to chapter 10 and um, we are making good progress. Uh, Many of you know that I grew up in Oklahoma. Now, how many of you have not had the privilege and the opportunity yet to visit the great and glorious state of Oklahoma? Uh, Let's all pray for these people that have been deprived. Well, anyway, that's where I grew up. Now, there's a phenomenon that happens in Oklahoma that you're probably aware of more than any other place on the earth, there is this event that happens periodically called a tornado. Now, a tornado in Oklahoma has an effect of sucking everything around it into the tornado and then transforming that which is sucked into the tornado and then shooting it back out. Now, whether or not you realize it or not, what you have stepped into this morning is a gospel tornado. Gospel City Church is designed to suck you in, spin you around, transform you, and then shoot you back out. We've been learning the answer to the most important question that was ever asked. Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And once you know the correct answer, you are the Christ of God. That sucks you in, that transforms you, and then it shoots you back out so that you ask this question, who does Jesus say I am? And we're learning today that he says I am an everyday missionary. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a missionary. Did you know you're a missionary? You say, I'm not a missionary. Oh, yes, you are. If you know the answer to the question, who do you say that I am? Now you are on mission with Jesus. Did you know that Jesus was the greatest, the ultimate missionary of all time? What's a missionary? A missionary is someone who leaves the safety and the comfort of home, things that are familiar, and comes into a hostile environment, learns the language, and delivers a message he was sent to deliver. Jesus was the ultimate missionary who came to where we are. And now because he came to where we are, we are missionaries going to places to make him known. And so, who does Jesus say I am? He says I'm an everyday missionary. I want you to see that here in Luke chapter 10. Here's the first point of the message. Everyday missionaries go where they are sent. Verse 1. 
After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. Some of your Bibles may say 70. Some of the ancient manuscripts say 70. Some say 72. The best manuscripts, we believe, say 72. So 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he sent them where he was about to go. These were 72 nameless missionaries, nameless disciples. How many disciples did Jesus originally have? We know the answer, right? 12. And do we know their names? Yeah, their names made the Bible. Here we are, and we're now introduced to 72 others. Their names didn't make the Bible, but what's happening? How did 12 turn into 72? Disciples make disciples. So the multiplication is happening as it should. Verse two, and he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out. Now, before I read the next part, does that, does that encourage you? It's like Jesus has invited me on a mission. I'm, I, he's inviting me to cooperate and participate with him. How many of you think Jesus could have got the job done without the 72? Yeah, he's probably, well, not just probably, for sure a better deliverer of the message than the 72, but notice what he did. He invited the 72 to be on mission in participation with him to deliver the message of the gospel. And that's good. You ought to feel privileged. You were invited by Jesus to do into his work. Okay? So you encouraged? I have to read the last part here of verse 3. I'm sending you out as lambs into the midst of wolves. Um, have you watched enough National Geographic to know that wolves eat lambs? Uh, when animals attack. So here's the deal. You're the lamb in the story and you are being sent into a pack of wolves. Who in their right mind would do that? Only those that understand that I am an everyday missionary. Now, there's a lot of things about our church that are very attractive. We, we like to th make things as nice as we can around here. And, and so we want to be an attractive church. I guess the only alternative to being an attractive church would be a repulsive church. I don't want to be a repulsive church. But please understand, do you know the difference between being attractive and attractional as a church? We are not an attractional church. An attractional church makes decisions based on what they think could get the largest number of people inside the walls of the church. We are not an attractional church. We are, by contrast, a missional church. An attractional church is one that views church as a landing strip. A missional church views church as a launching pad. An attractional church views church as a place to come. A missional church views church as a place to move from. It's a movement. An attractional church views church as a gathering. A missional church views church as a gathering so we can become a scattering into the world on mission. An attractional church believes evangelism takes place inside the walls of the church. 
A missional church understands that primarily evangelism takes place outside the walls of the church. An attractional church believes the Great Commission says, come and see. A missional church believes the Great Commission says, go and tell. An attractional church views the gospel as a feature of the church, like a menu item to select from. A missional church views the gospel as the mission of the church. We are a missional church, and so we're designed to be sent out, to be shot out with the gospel message. That's what Jesus has called us to. And so that's why we do what we do. That's why we support missionaries around the world in places like Liberia and Northern Africa and Hungary and Belize and Spain and Prague and Tanzania. Every time you throw into the offering, you're saying, I want to fund the mission-sending opportunities uh, that Gospel City Church is a part of. That's why we do local missions with transformation, life plan, and try to get into the hardest place in our community. That's why we go on short-term missionaries like the one we just returned from in Puerto Rico. That's why we train pastors and plant churches because we believe the studies that tell us that the most effective means for evangelism and missions is to plant a Gospel City Church in the heart of a community over the long haul to make disciples. And we want to give you more opportunities to be on mission. You're going to be hearing more about that. My goal is that in the next five years, half of you would have gone on a short-term mission trip somewhere in the world. But listen, all of those things I just described are kind of things that we do in mass in groups. I want it to hit a little more personal at home this morning. How often do you personally engage another person in a gospel conversation as an everyday missionary? Just like these 72. Wouldn't it be incredible if in the next year there were 36 new gospel teams, two by two, going out somewhere intentionally for the purpose of engaging people in a gospel conversation. We have four pillars in our church. You know what they are? Unapologetic preaching, unashamed worship, unceasing prayer, and then there's this other one. Does everybody know what that one is? What is that? Crickets. Crickets in the church because you don't know what the fourth pillar is. Listen, you got to know the fourth pillar is. Listen, it's not optional. As a matter of fact, it is the purpose for the other three. There's three vertical pillars and there's one missional pillar. It is this unafraid evangelism. It is sharing the good news of Jesus with boldness. Please hear me. If we do not engage the fourth pillar of our church, our church will die a slow death while it is filled with a bunch of Bible fatheads. That is not the mission of this church. If we do not engage the fourth pillar of boldly sharing the good news of the gospel, we will become a petri dish that will stagnate and we will be the last generation of Christians in our community. We must engage the fourth pillar. 
And you say, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm not an extrovert. I'm an introvert. This is very intimidating to me. You say, I, as a matter of fact, I, isn't it illegal now to like speak of these things in public? And don't they put you in jail for that? And if it's not illegal, surely it's rude. You wouldn't want to be rude. And so you just, I mean, you can't be telling people like you've got some like absolute truth because we live in a pluralistic society and that would be so rude. A study was done by the Billy Graham Center for Evangelism at Wheaton College. They surveyed 2,000 people who identified as unchurched Americans. And they asked them certain questions about how they would respond or feel about people that would actually engage them in a gospel conversation. They surveyed them, they asked them if they agreed or disagreed with these statements. Here's one of the statements. If someone wanted to tell me what she or he believed about Christianity, I would be willing to listen, agree or disagree. I want you to notice the statistics. 75% over the age of 30 said they would be willing to listen to someone talk to them about what they believe about Christianity. But surely not the young people, right? Notice almost 90% of 20-somethings would engage in that kind of conversation. So why aren't we telling them? Why aren't we initiating these conversations? Here's another thing that they found out. Among Protestant churchgoers, they asked them, do you agree or disagree with this statement? I have a personal responsibility to share my religious beliefs about Jesus Christ with non-Christians. Notice, almost 80% would agree with that statement. But then notice this. Among Protestant churchgoers in the last six months, about how many times have you personally invited an unchurched person to church? Almost half goose egg. That's not even asking sharing the gospel. That's just being brave enough to say, you want to come to church with me? So why aren't we everyday missionaries? Jesus calls us as everyday missionaries to go where we are sent. These 72 missionaries that Jesus sent out were ordinary people. They weren't professional Christians. They weren't trained seminary theologians. They were just marketplace leaders and soccer moms, and they were healthcare workers and teachers and students and farmers and factory workers. They were white collar, blue collar, no collar. They were just ordinary people that got on mission with God. Notice the promise that Jesus gave. He said, the harvest is plentiful. There is no problem with the harvest because there's no problem with the seed. The problem is that we don't have enough planters and pickers. Two stages of the harvest, right? You plant and you pick. You know when you're involved as an everyday missionary, you never know when you're going to get to be the planter and when you're going to get to be the picker. Sometimes in a gospel conversation, all you're doing is planting a seed. And then every now and then, you get to harvest the seed that's been planted by somebody else. You get to be the picker. The average Christian can identify 17 different individuals that played a role in getting the gospel 
in their ears. Can you think of some people that put the gospel in your ears? Maybe a faithful mom and dad brought you to church, taught you the Bible. Maybe there was a praying grandmother in your lineage that that prayed the walls of your resistance down. Maybe there was a friend in high school that shared the gospel with you. And can you identify a list of people? Well, here's the thing. As a missionary, you don't have to be all 17. You just have to be one. But the key is that you are at least one in the chain of people that God is using to get the harvest completed. Jesus said he's sending us out as lambs among wolves. That's, that's a little intimidating, right? I mean, nobody wants to get eaten out there, right? One of my favorite missionaries is a guy named John Patton. John Patton was a Scottish missionary who, in 1858, felt the call of God to go to the South Sea Islands, where two previous missionaries had been killed and eaten by cannibals within minutes of getting off the boat. He said, that's where I want to go. Anybody want to sign up for that assignment? An older man came to John Patton and tried to talk him out of it. He says, John, don't you understand? You're going to be eaten by cannibals. To which John Patton said this. He said, Mr. Dixon, you are advanced in years now, and your own prospect is soon to be laid in the grave where you will be eaten by worms. I confess to you that if I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus, it will make no difference to me whether I am eaten by cannibals or eaten by worms. And in the great day of my resurrected body, it will arise as fair as yours in likeness of our risen Redeemer. That's the kind of gospel confidence it's going to take an everyday missionary to get the Great Commission done. By the way, the island that John Patton landed on in 1858 is now inhabited by 272,000 individuals according to a 2009 survey. Over 82% of the population of that island identifies as a Christian. Because one everyday missionary overcame his fears and went to a place where he had great risk and yet had great confidence in the Lord's ability to keep him safe. Now listen, I'm not saying God's calling you to go to a cannibalistic island, but we are called to be everyday missionaries. Jesus told them to go out two by two. Can you imagine what would happen if we got serious about going out two by two and partnered in a project to have gospel conversations? Think about it, two by two, that would be one husband, one wife, understanding their marriage is not meant to cannibalize each other, but is actually turned outward as a missionary marriage to maybe open their home and their dinner table to invite other people to come in so that we can have a gospel conversation with people who've yet not heard. What if two women partnered together and they started a Bible study in their neighborhood and invited unchurched women to come and just study the scriptures together, the claims of Christ? What if two men partnered together and said, hey, 
let's schedule a hunting trip or a golf outing in, in between the 14th and the 15th hole instead of cussing and grieving over our golf scores. We actually told these people there's hope beyond golf and we can talk about Jesus during that time. Intentional evangelism. What if your small group, how many of you are in a small group? Raise your hand if you're in a small group. Raise your hand in a small group. You like your small group and that encouraging? What if your small group understood it wasn't just a place where you could pray for each other, encourage one another, and keep each other accountable, and shove your, your head full of more Bible knowledge? What if you turned your small group into a missional community that went on a mission trip together, that adopted a school nearby, or a nursing home, or a prison, or a sports team, and said, we're going to do everything we can to serve in that area, laying a foundation so we can have gospel conversations. Everyday missionaries go where they are sent. And everyday missionaries travel light. Look at verse 4. Jesus says, carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. The word peace there is it's not just talking about, I hope your kids aren't fighting in the home. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a shalom, a place where God's presence is so real that there is a peace, a sense that we are right with God. It's not just a horizontal peace. It's a vertical peace. So he says, peace, this is our prayer, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. And if not, it will return to you and remain in the, house, in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide. So he's saying, like, if you didn't like the food in one house, don't like check out and like check into another house. You just be content with what God provides. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. So why are all these restrictions on not taking money bags and sandals and like no greeting? Can't we even be friendly? What he's saying is don't be slowed down by your stuff. The number one hindrance to missions is materialism. We won't let go of our money bags. We won't let go of our houses and our homes, and we won't go to the places where we're sent. Now, all of those things can be great tools. Later in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus told them to take all that stuff because it was going to be a longer journey, and he wanted to provide for them. But what we're saying is, don't get encumbered with the complexities of life. He's saying it's a simple journey. Don't let it slow you down. Don't let it complicate your mission because all that stuff competes for your worship. And we need to make sure there's no idols in between us and the mission. Number three, everyday missionaries get the message right. So key verse, verse nine. Everyday missionaries get the message right. Verse nine, heal the sick in it, in that city, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Notice Jesus gives them two very specific instructions. One, do everything you can to help people with their physical illness. But then make sure you deliver the message so that they can ultimately be delivered from their spiritual sickness. They're not just spiritually sick. Actually, they're spiritually dead. And it's going to take a message about the kingdom to help them. So, we are not 
faithful missionaries if all we do is concern ourselves with people's physical weakness. It's not enough just to hand a water bottle. It's not enough just to serve a meal. It's not enough just to clothe people who are cold. We've got to do that, yes, compassionately as a way to build a platform so that we can verbally have a gospel conversation with them about the kingdom. Notice he says, here's the news. Here's what I want you to say. The kingdom of God has come near to you. That's great news. Because for so many people that we know, God, the kingdom of God, seems such a distant concept, so far away. And here's our message. The kingdom of God has come near to you. Do you understand that wherever you go, the kingdom of God goes with you? So that's what this means. When you moved into your neighborhood, your unsuspecting neighbors had no idea that the kingdom of God was coming closer to them. When you go to your algebra class, when school starts, sorry, it's a public service announcement, school's starting soon. When you go to your algebra class, do you know what's happening when you walk in the room? The kingdom of God is coming closer to your algebra class. When Gospel City Church was planted 10 years ago, the kingdom of God came nearer to the community that is Michiana. Wherever you go, you are bringing the kingdom of God nearer to you. And you say, well, am I actually supposed to say the words? Jesus says, say, the kingdom of God has come near. Do I say that in my evangelism? We translate that for the modern hearer is this. You know what? We all think we're king. We think we're the king of our own kingdom. Here's the good news of the gospel. You're not king. Jesus is king. He's got a better kingdom than any that you could ever build, but you're unqualified to enter it. And so the good news of the gospel is just Jesus left his kingdom and he came to yours. And he conquered your kingdom by his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. And he's the only one worthy of you saying, you are my king. If you'll bow in submission to him, make him, receive him as king of your life, now you can enter into his kingdom. That's the message of the gospel or something similar. When's the last time you had a conversation with anybody like that? Trent Griffith has been offering some practical tips on how you and I can be everyday missionaries. So who do you know who you could strike up a conversation with about Jesus? A neighbor, a coworker, maybe even someone in your family. You know, everyday missionaries are constantly on the lookout for ways to winsomely talk about Jesus and the gospel. Trent is a senior pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. And if you're looking for a church that you can call home, why not check out Gospel City Church? We gather both online and in person on our campuses in Granger, Indiana and in Elkhart County. And on top of that, we're in the process of planting a brand new church in South Bend. That church is Redemption City Church. We'll be launching it September 13th. There's more information about Gospel City Church in Granger, Gospel City in Elkhart County, and Redemption City in South Bend on our website, mygospelcity.org. Again, you can find that information at mygospelcity.org. And you can also find more great content when you follow us on Facebook, 
Just search for Gospel City Church. So what impresses you? Next week on Resonate, Pastor Trent shows us that Jesus had to correct his disciples' thinking because they were impressed with the wrong thing and not impressed with the right thing. We'll find out what that is right here on Resonate. Well, thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's Word would resonate in your heart as you reach out to others this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a ministry of Gospel City Church. Visit us online at mygospelcity.org. Say it.